The Football Show on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports I'm prepared to end it if I can well, do, it then. do it then What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Uh, then you're welcome along to the football show. So later on, Guillaume Balaga will join us because at the Bar- Bernabeu over the weekend, it finished Real Madrid nil, Barcelona four. Extraordinary turnaround in the fortunes of both clubs. So Guillaume Balaga is with us just after half past nine. Very happy to say, though, in the meantime, Pat Nevin is on the line. Hello. How are you doing, Joe? You well? Better than Frank Lampard. Um, yeah, I think most people are at the moment. Oof. I think... Remember when he took over and we were saying, I'm not sure how great an idea this is, but he's, he's kind of got to do it. But the pressures, the, the, the problems are endemic, absolutely endemic at Everton. And, you know, if he if he doesn't actually save that club uh, from getting relegation, it will be pinned on him. And it's not his fault. It's something that's been there and, you know, crushing down for a while. It is funny because... Um, when I was uh, talking originally about Rafa and I was, I was uh, not exactly waxing lyrical, but saying, look, that's a world-class manager. He's, he knows what he's doing. It may be quite dull. And then you look at it now and it's just crashing. It's absolutely yeah. crashing. Um, and particularly at the weekend, it just looks... And of course, he, he sounds as if he's absolutely nowhere to turn now. And it's one of those classic ones. I remember... Oh, God, no names and no pack draw with this one. Um... I remember a manager of a national team saying to me, yeah, just quietly because we were friends, you know, they weren't doing well. And he said, it's because we're rubbish, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But you can't say that. You can never say that in the press. You can never say that in front of everyone. And he just said, we've not got enough good players. Yeah. We're rubbish. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to look at it. I'm not saying everyone are rubbish, but is there enough there to get them out of it? Now, I was recently, uh, last week, week before, uh, I was at Brentford versus Burnley. So they've got hope. <laughs> I mean, they really have got hope because Burnley stunk the place out. And Brentford want a great deal better than that and obviously know that uh, Norwich are basically gone. But they're on the edge. They're absolutely on the edge. So for anyone who uh, was enjoying the bank holiday weekend and didn't pay too much attention, Everton 4-0 defeat away at Crystal Palace. This relatively hot on the heels of a 5-0 defeat against Spurs you were on that night I remember as well so things from bad to worse in terms of the general mood about the place what really has captured the uh, post-match analysis more than anything is Frank Lampard's disposition in his press conference and so here's just a sample of Lampard well I would say effectively washing his hands of the Everton players not very long into his tenure so here is Lampard talking after a 4-0 defeat at Crystal Palace about the general situation and he was asked about the lack of confidence in his side and that's where we pick things up. Why do you think you were off the pace today? I don't know, that's one for the players. I'll, I'll take responsibility on the outside but the players have to take the responsibility because the, the, the message was... Sorry, that is the wrong clip entirely. We're going to go again. Here is Frank, Frank Lampard, take two. There's only so much you can keep trying to butter someone up to give them confidence. There's a balance of confidence stroke we're playing at the cutthroat end of football here. This is a quarter-final today to get to Wembley. And if you haven't got the confidence to play, then I'll, you can quickly flip it and say, have you got the um, the bollocks to play? Sorry, excuse me, but I can't, you know, that's, that's the football reality. 
Um, and if you fall somewhere in the middle, then don't worry about it because we didn't play that badly today and Palace didn't play that well today and we lost 4-0 because of a lack of confidence and a lack of what I just said. So um, <clears throat> it wasn't tactics. Tactics showed in the first 20 minutes. Palace couldn't get out of half. Um, so when you do things right within that, within that structure, you'll be all right. If you can't be clinical in front of goal, you won't score goals. You won't feel like you're going to score goals. If you allow people to stroll into to your box and finish with ease, they'll finish with ease. So, um, real basics. Mm. There's a lot wrong with that. Yeah. Do, do you know, I'm reminded of that moment you get when uh, some fabulously brilliant players take over management of players that aren't their level. And they, they kind of don't get it. You go, why don't you believe in yourself? Why don't you do that simple thing there? Why don't you all work together as a team, as a group, which Lampard always does? And it, it's almost like he's, he's, he's not confused, but he's just completely lost as to why don't you do that? Why don't you just go and do the things that any professional footballer would do? And if you haven't got belief then show some commitment. I'll, I'll use the word commitment instead of the word that Frank used. But why can't you just do that? Um, but I've, I've, we've all seen it. Anyone who's been a professional footballer has seen it. It's like you're playing a game and there's, you're, you're going through a long period where the team aren't doing really well. And all the big mouths, or not all, but some of the loud mouths and some of the big characters and the rest of it, and you go in the field and you want to go in the ball and you turn around and they've disappeared. And you just know it. And it, it's not always obvious to everybody else. But when you're on the ball or when you're the manager, you're looking at going, you don't want it. You don't want this. You don't want to take a chance. You don't want to be the one that's kind of a finger pointed at. But you've got to keep on doing that. And it's the thing that annoyed me most, actually watching when I hear people talking about mistakes in games. And you, you, again, you've heard me talking about it before, but mistakes in games. Oh, he tried to play at the back. Oh, he got caught in possession. Yeah, because they didn't have to go and get it. I remember having this conversation about Jorginho for years. Yeah, he's getting more bravery than anybody else in the team when they were having a tough time. But I'll take it. I'll keep on taking it. I want it. I'll keep on playing. I'll keep on doing the right things. And the reason why you get caught is because there's four people there saying, no, oh, I don't want the ball. I don't fancy it. I'm not going to take a chance. That's what Frank's saying there. He's basically saying, you've not got it. You've not got the bravery to stand up. Now, he's not... He's named... He said it's players. But he's not named exactly what players there. But I'll tell you what, there's guys in the team who know who it is. Mm. Absolutely know who it is. And see if you've got one or two or maybe three that are, are not brave enough to go and show for it. You're absolutely stuffed in this league. You're completely stuffed in this league. And I, I, I absolutely feel for Frank. I absolutely feel for him. Because you throw somebody into that position and say to them, like, right, okay, I'll, I'll get you out. But you, you expect that basic amount of bravery. And he's just saying, I'm not seeing it from enough players. I, I, I'm gutted for the guy. But I have to tell you, I'm not surprised. Because it's been there for a while. It's been showing for a long, long time. And that's why, when you go right back to that's why Benitez beforehand was saying, right, okay, this isn't good enough. So what we'll do is we'll structure it in a different way so we scrape through until I get time to sort it out. So, you know, I, I, I don't know Rafa very well. I know Frank quite well. I'm not making excuses for anyone. I'm just saying that's what it feels like when you're in there. See, I don't doubt that Frank Lampard is right in his assessment of several of these Everton players. But to go public in that way so early on in his tenure, to wash his hands effectively of them, to embarrass them, 
publicly. And I mean, the way he spoke there was unbecoming as well. It was immature. It spoke of somebody not handling the stress. All very questionable. Like really odd decisions on his part. And what jumped out to me was this was some of the same stuff he was saying about Chelsea players. And Thomas Tuchel strode in very quickly showed that actually they were able to run and work and all of these very basic things that Lampard was talking about then they were able to do all those things and went on to win a Champions League for instance December 2020 after an Arsenal game I'll take responsibility on the outside but the players also have to take responsibility the message was clear that we gave them Arsenal are dangerous when you go out and play at 60 or 70% then you're not going to win any games so again there he's, he's pointing to lack of professionalism lack of work ethic what can I do I told them I t- we told them and they only played at 60-70% and this is what happens January 2021 again here he's talking about resilience and, and there's I mean there's a clear line in the sand here in this quote between Lampard and all these Chelsea players I'm a fighter said Lampard I mean <laughs> that's a bad start to a quote I'm a fighter it's how I managed to make a career as a player And then he went on, and this was equally worrying when you consider that Thomas Tuchel arrives, changes their formation, and suddenly there's a perfect balance across this squad. So he said, I'm a fighter. It's how I managed to make a career as a player. It's not going to be 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 that will win us games. It's about passion and desire and togetherness. Now, none of those things really proved to be true under Thomas Tuchel, and I find it hard to believe that... The Chelsea players were all such bad professionals as well and now he's inherited an Everton group full of bad professionals. It's a little bit like Jose. It's the boy who cried wolf. Like Jose hasn't found a good dressing room since the Inter Milan one. Yes. I, and I take all those points. Absolutely take all those points. Remember Tuchel's spectacular. He's actually right up the best two or three coaches in the world. Frank's a young coach. Hmm. You know, he's, he's learning all those things and, and he'll make mistakes. He certainly made a mistake when he throws out Alonso. You know, and if you froze it, freeze out somebody who's A, popular, B, integral to the team, and you've got C, you've got this problem of everyone looks around and goes, well, if it does that to him, it might do that to me. So you've got an uncertainty there. But what he'd always, his attitude is he's a strong character. He's always been able to beat that. You, you talk about modern managers, right? You know, they have to be able to you know, massage egos and, you know, don't hurt players and get the best out of them in subtle, different ways. Frank was supposed to be one of them, wasn't he? Mm. <laughs> He's supposed to be one of them. But actually, Frank, Frank's quite old school in that way. He expects total commitment from every single player all the time. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at I'm thinking, you're following Rafa. Uh, I, will, I will not stop saying he's a world-class coach. He is a world-class coach and he has been for a long, 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 long time. He's done incredible jobs with various people, but when you stick an average team or a team that's not balanced, even with a very, very good coach, you will struggle. Okay. The Tuchel one's different. Now, I have to say, the Tuchel one's, I have to say, even shocked me. It totally shocked me. And I watch them every week, Chelsea, mm. every single week. How he got that out of them and get them to the Champions League final. Now, remember where they are just now. I mean, they're not, they're not in the coattails of Liverpool or you know Manchester City. They're not that. But with a bit of luck and a fair wind, and by the way, Chelsea didn't have getting fair luck, a fair wind again this week, didn't they? <laughs> Look at the draw for the FA Cup semi final. Mm-hmm. They've been quite fortunate. And that's someone who's Chelsea minded, I'll own up to it. They've been really fortunate in draws and got through, sometimes got through 
you know, because they've got teams at the right time. But take, take nothing away from Thomas. He's a top quality coach and he's getting the best out of players. And his personality seems to suit those players. But how many Jurgens and how many Thomases and how many Peps are there? They're actually not that many. Once you get slightly below that level, you know, there's there's not there's much of a muchness between it. So I often say Everton fans, I'm looking at from the position of an Everton fan or someone who wants Everton to do well. And I look around at the managers you've had and you're thinking, well, Carlo done okay. And you start looking at it, it's like a manager every year. Mm. And who really done spectacularly well? It just looked like it was fading and fading and fading over a longer period of time. And I have to say, I'm I'm surprised but not shocked that they're down where they are just now. And had it been Rafa or had it been Frank, I don't know how much a difference it would have made. Yeah, no, I take that point. There's definitely something seismically and culturally wrong at Everton for sure. Lampard needs to be careful though here because if he is seen to lose all composure and publicly alienate a dressing room and have moments like this, he won't be seen as trustworthy for the next job. You mentioned Carlo, you look at Rafa. Like, people still remember Rafa for his facts mm. press conference years ago, which wasn't even that absurd, actually, when you watch it back. But it's been, you know, billed alongside Kevin Keegan losing it next to Alex Ferguson playing quote-unquote mind games. Lampard here is creating moments which stick in the memory and he does need to be very careful. You see, I would look at this now if I was a prospective chairman and I would say, God, Lampard is so much more old school than I thought. This is something I would expect out of Roy Keane. Who's, who's talked about as being past it in terms of being able to manage the modern player. Mm-hmm. And I would look at it and think, God, he's just lost the dressing room. He's only been there a month. And I'd say he's lost half the dressing room with that press conference. They're looking at it saying, oh, might play because we want to stay up in the Premier League. But I don't think there's a long-term future there. Right, so he probably doesn't want half of those players. Sure. So if he does manage to survive, and get rid of half of them anyway because he's not the type of players. I'm giving you his perspective, okay? Yeah. From his perspective. We know from other people's perspective what it looks like, but from his perspective, you're sitting looking at thinking, right, okay, I've tried different systems. I've watched them. I've been at games when I've tried two and three different systems. He's tried various manipulations of the personalities. He's, it's just what all the managers go through. There's almost a tech list, right? Mm. It's tech list all through. And excuse the phraseology, but there then comes a nuclear option. We just have to say, no, I'm going to call you, I'm going to try this one. And it's it's, it's a normal one. It's, it's If you go back to right to start your conversation, a manager once said to me, by the way, the team's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that out loud. Yeah. And it, and, but it's a nuclear option of saying either they're not very good or I'm calling you out and saying you're not working hard enough, you're not brave enough, what's your reaction going to be? It's actually an, such an extraordinary thing to do I've watched various managers do it over the years and you think ah have you timed that right because if you've timed that wrong you're in trouble because as you say you've lost the dressing room now you don't know yet we'll find out over the next couple of games we've got West Ham away mm. and funnily enough Moisey was one of the guys I watched doing that I remember him telling us the story about a player he had and he tried that once he tried everything with that player and then he said to the player I don't think you care enough to which the player then went yeah, you're probably right, Gaffer. Huh. <laughs> you have nowhere else to go at that point in time. Yeah. And it's a bit, you have tried various things, different things. You are now in a position where if you look at the games that Everton have got coming forward, right, they don't look very winnable. There's a Burnley away from home, right? But apart from that, you took Man United, 
the West Ham away, that's stinker. They've got Leicester, which is okay. Liverpool away from home. I mean, really? So there, there are a few points, and they got that point, three points the other night there with that the, the late goal. But in actual fact, had they not got that, that late goal and even just got a draw, with the run of games they've got just now, Frank's not stupid. He's absolutely acutely aware that he had to do something extreme. And and it, I think, I know where you're coming from. See me doing it and it's controlled, but meant to look uncontrolled, then it's okay. But see me doing it, it's not controlled, then it's not okay. It's definitely not okay mm. then, because the players sense that. And you're absolutely right to ask that question. Yeah. I think he's seething. I think he's lost control. I think he's. I think he's shocked at what he's seen from what he would consider fellow professionals. And you know, he's been surrounded by great professionals all his career, and he, he can't get over because the last word he used there was doing the basics. So this is like a this is a quality issue. Back to your point of a great player who can't compute why the lesser players can't do things he could do. You know what I think of? I think of Pep Guardiola and the shots of him turning Sterling's body. No, this way. No, this way. This way. And and the parallel I have here is Lampard looking at Sterling going, why can't you do it? And walking off going, Phew, players today. That's the unfair characterization I have of Lampard now. And uh, I don't know. And even, I look, I never liked his, oh, it's not about tactics. It's not about, of course it is. Like, do you remember you were on with the Spurs game and you, you saw a change... I think you felt he needed more bodies in maybe two number sixes Mid- early on in that game. Yeah, like the Spurs game. Yeah, and you were like, and, and the change didn't happen until about the fiftieth minute. Like, you can't wash your, you know, you can't go punch his pilot and all this stuff either. You know, I think there's enough, there's enough there to comfortably avoid relegation. I take the comfortably out of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> say, okay. I'd say yeah, there is enough there to avoid relegation, but you need to be able to get the best. You're absolutely right. You need to get the best out of them, and you are actually beginning to trust or have to depend on some flaky individuals. And Richarlison, for how ever good a player he is, he's flaky. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you and you're, you, see if you put in trust in that. Lampard with all the people that he worked with all the way through his particularly Chelsea career Drogba generally wasn't flaky Terry wasn't flaky Czech wasn't flaky they're all, they're all just straight down the middle dependable right mm. and very very good as well but he's looking around thinking the guys I need to you know trust are people that are, I don't know if I can really want it but the ones that I trust you know and, and then young Gordon you're, you're looking at youngsters mm. now I'm looking at the last game I was at down there and I was thinking total lack of creativity absolute lack of creativity you know and who's going to actually make that opportunity and he adapted it a little bit and it worked but it was boring wood for God's sake so it, it was horrible to watch and I, I do talk to a lot of uh, you know ex-Everton players and it's a bit it always seems a bit sad ex-players going oh it's not as good as it was in my day and I'm thinking well those periods when we were a bit garbage <laughs> so you have to yeah. remember that as well but they, they all seem to say the same thing Total lack of creativity, and yeah. that's horrible. Considering that's a team that, until about three years ago, had about five number tens in their team. They're all mm, supposed to mm. creatives. There's nothing there now. There's very little creativity there now. Um, and if you're if you're looking for a kid to come in and do it, which is what they're doing just now, uh, to develop it, it's it's tough. It's yeah. worrying. It's it's actually very very scary. And, and Frank looks scared and worried about it. Yeah. 
No, I'll move off it now. See, I, 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 there's a healthy tension here as I'm really uh, verdict is in on Lampard and you're uh, understandably given the opposing view, which is fair. I don't, I don't think it would work. I don't think it would work when he went in at any point. I just thought, that job? Nah, I wouldn't take that if I was you. Yeah. But because it's a big job, you kind of have to take it. But I, I didn't think it would work. But say, I actually thought, I thought Rafa was a better bet. Yeah, and he might, you know, especially if there's no creativity. But I mean, I, I just thought the um, the bollocks line, and, and I just thought that I was, that was, that was like, oh, not good. And, and <laughs> it's, it's stress. It's, it's a young manager not handling the stress and frustrated what he's seeing. But like three or four days earlier, they win one nil against Newcastle. Last minute goal. Like, do they not care then? Are they not? Are there, is their character so flawed then? Like, I think five nil beatings, four nil beatings. For me, a lot of that's on the manager tactics. If you're not creative, then let's not concede. Like that'll get you out of the relegation zone. Is that, is that horrible? See if you've spent your entire career being a winner, and then suddenly you need to accept being below average. It, it's it's a hard, hard one to take on board. You know, how many? I talk about Frank Lampard as a great player. Some people will say maybe he's not, maybe he is, but he's had a great career. Yes, and he's had a stunningly successful career, right? And then you go and say, all right, go, go and deal with average now. And it's oh. like, how many of them, have, how many of them suffer? Honestly. I mean, Roy's a classic example. I, I, can you imagine Lampard and Roy Keane having a coffee? They'd be like, can, can you imagine? What, can you believe what it's like out here? My God. Did you, you, like, did you know that, that this is what they were all like? So yeah, no, I, I, I know, I'm he sure. Played against, he played against the, those players and, and showed them up for what they were. Because mm. that's because he played with that better level. And it's, it's, it's the oddest thing. The reason why you know it so well, because to, to a degree, we all get it. We've all played at a lower standard and went, why are you doing that? Yeah. I, I agree. This, the perfect analogy, the perfect analogy, right? And it goes down to, I, I, I played with John Collins, right? John Collins is a brilliant player with yes. Everton, yeah. Celtic, yeah. Scotland, etc. But, but a much better player than people give him credit for. I mean, would be absolutely brilliant in today's game, right? And he played in a game with me after we finished playing and it was I played on one side he played on the other side and it was just normal gazers playing in the rest of it and I was trying to explain to him look John see when you pass somebody the ball don't run for it because it ain't coming back mm. right they don't get it you, you just take that to the same level with Frank he's going well, well why did you not do that I, I, I don't understand why you don't learn you, how you've got to this level and not learn to defend in the correct way you've not right you, you don't play the pass when it's on you don't say right okay I've got to be brave now all the things that he thinks I knew that when I was 16 mm. and he's got professional players under him now that's mind blowing That's and I've, I've watched certain managers do that and they're always the players that have had great careers or were fabulous players no it's true it's true I come back to Pep pointing turning details yeah. <laughs> Impar- imparting imparting is, is there a possibility by the way because uh, we were just talking about this before nine so you take the Lampard Gerrard their careers in parallel and such different players like I think of Lampard the player and by all accounts frighteningly intelligent even just in IQ terms but then also not gifted in the way that Jared was gifted. Lampard was self-made in, in many respects. And so I would have always presumed a student of the game. And you looked at his movement as a midfielder and you thought, wow, this is someone who really understands where to be and why to be there and when to be there. And Gerard, you think of Rafa saying, 
stop running around you know <laughs> you need to calm down you're just a Tasmanian devil and you know there, there would have been a criticism majority couldn't control a game you know like a traditional midfielder at times and therefore was he just more instinctive and Lampard was more thoughtful and I wonder now were we maybe potentially was that theory all wrong and it's actually Gerrard who's shown more tactically than Lampard at the moment do you think I think theory was wrong with Steven Gerrard I I, I known him a bit and spoke to him a bit and watched him and just thought his intelligence of play seeing where danger was cutting out danger when people didn't realise he was doing it um, I, I never thought that Gerard. I always thought he was a fantastic player he, his problem was it wasn't he was running about because he was uncontrolled he was running about because he, he knew that well I'm a better centre forward than him <laughs> yeah. and I'm a better defender than him and yeah. I'm a better midfielder than him so I can actually do all their jobs for them and he, was, he wasn't wrong he wasn't really wrong either of course he wasn't so he knows oh I can cover that I can do that I can do this I can do that and he was right to know all that um, I don't think it was lack of control the vast majority of the time yeah there was some lack of control sometimes but you know particularly a couple of ch- tackles that we can think back on but in actual fact there was m- huge intelligence to his play, huge intelligence to his play. So, um, if, if I have beforehand, you know, looking at them both, who would have made the more obvious and better manager? Yeah, I think Frank would have probably would have been the one you'd have thought. Yeah, he's he ticks every single box, but there've been plenty of people that have ticked the boxes. It's that unknown thing that you need to have. It's that thing where you have to get people wanting to do things for you desperate to do things for you mm. and it's, it's it's so hard to explain yeah I've talked to you years ago I remember explaining that John Terry had that you know people would love to do things for him mm. it's weird mm. when you're in his company it's really weird when you're thinking I don't know how you do that mate mm. it's kind of um, and Frank had a bit of it obviously Stevie G you found out now that he's actually got it he's, he's, he's got that kind of thing that people want to and it's not just because of what he's done before it's something else on top of it. It's a, a total respect you get from the whole group. Have you heard a grumble from anybody that's worked under Stevie G? Not many, really. No. And he's had some complicated ones. He's had up in, he had Morellas up at uh, Rangers. And that was a complicated character, that one. And weird and got things wrong, but had brilliance as well. And for, somehow Stevie managed to manage him. And time and again, I'd watch that lad getting sent off and doing mental things and fighting with Scott Brown and doing all these daft things. Mm. But Stevie G still seemed to manipulate it. That at the end of the season, he still got a whole bunch of goals. Whereas if I was a manager, I'd just, oh, get lost. <laughs> I'll mm. go and get somebody I can trust, you know. So maybe that little thing where Stevie just thought, yeah. And, and is it his personality? Is it the people he's worked under? Who, the ones he's actually thought right that's who I want to copy and learn off of because the ones that fly off the handle you know in the end they don't seem to last long in all these jobs but the ones that are more reserved and control it and pick their fights when it suits them and not when it suits the player they're working with they're the ones that seem to do really well with those guys yeah well it's going to be a very interesting few weeks anything else from the weekend you want to briefly mention that caught your oh, imagination it's kind of a strange weekend's football it, it was a strange weekend, but it's, again, I mentioned the fact the FA Cup and Chelsea get really lucky, get Palace, but I mean, Palace are a good side, it's not a walkover, but um, the thing that actually jumped to me, just mentioned Celtic and passing there, mm. um, I was at the Celtic game, they were playing against Ross County, it was, you know, 
neither here nor there because it was against 10 men and they played really, really well. But it's been a long time and Scotland's actually great fun now. It's, I have to admit, it's been a long, long time. But you watch Rangers and Celtic are playing brilliant football, right? They're really, really good to watch. The, the lad Kyogi is not even playing just now. He's injured just now. Rangers not playing so well, but they're doing really well in Europe. And this is all building up to the fact that in the 4th of April, there's the Old Firm game at Ibrox Park. And honestly, it, it could be absolutely brilliant. And if you do, and if you don't do or don't watch Celtic and Rangers, sometimes it's not worth watching. This time, it really is. There actually are very good players. They're two very different styles and technical styles. The, the Celtic thing is very, very, very interesting indeed. They play a beautiful style of football for about 60 minutes and then they just fall apart because they're knackered. But it's, it's it's really worth watching. There's some lovely players that are worth watching. So I was up doing that game there and I'm really looking forward to the old film game mm-hmm. after it. And uh, I'm making a documentary just now as well, a football documentary. So over the next week, well, I'm going to tell you about that because it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And just to let you know, the first person I interviewed in this documentary, not giving anything away, but was Gary Mackay, who I mentioned before. <laughs> ah, yes, you did say that the other week, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, love to hear about that. Love to hear about that. Uh, thanks so much. Chat to you next Monday. Look forward to it. See Cheers. You. Pat Nevin with us, as always, on a Monday here in the Football Show, which is brought to you by Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BD Sport and Premier Sports. Barcelona 4-0 winners at the Bernabeu over the weekend. We're going to chat to Guillaume Balaga next. Cork are in serious trouble in the Munster Championship they're going to get beaten they're going to get beaten early and when the Cork crowd turn against them they turn so harsh The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app Now the uh, situation you're very welcome back at the top of La Liga is that Real Madrid are on 66 points they are clear of Sevilla back on 57 points so 9 points clear at the top of the table Barcelona with a game in hand are on 54 points so Barca if they win that game would go level with Sevilla 9 points behind Real Madrid Uh, the extraordinary situation over the weekend though was that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, scored twice this was last night Barcelona put on a show 4-0 winners against Real Madrid the Bernabeu silenced Carlo Ancelotti and his team ashen-faced Guillaume Balaga joins us on the line Guillaume hello hello Joe 4-0 who saw this coming tell us about the game what happened yeah absolutely nobody saw this coming but it's a combination of things and you cannot separate one from the other we have to be in, in order, we cannot say them at the same time. But uh, one thing is, of course, that it's quite clear Xavi has made everybody believe in what he's doing. Everybody thinks the same way. The way that they've been working in training means that uh, everybody knows what their role is and what they have to do, what kind of solutions they, find they have to find depending on the problems they find on the pitch. Coaching and quality has helped with the arrival of the uh, three players, especially from the Premier League, Abema Young, Ferran Torres, Adama Traore, also Daniel Ves, who um, is a right back, but stroke centre midfield when they attack. All those things have helped Barcelona to gain confidence, points, and to improve their football. And of course, given the opportunity to play in their own style, uh, they will take advantage of it. Remember, they come from uh, struggling with Galatasaray, which are mid-table in, in, in the Turkish league, uh, but eventually managed to get a victory away. And then at the Santiago Bernabeu, with everything that means to play in the Clásico, it was one of those games in which, in which they wanted to confirm that they are on their way up. Certainly the points suggest since Xavi arrived before the Clásico, 
uh, if the league had started there, they would just be a couple of points away from Real Madrid. So the things were going well. Mm. But you need a disastrous operation on the Real Madrid part for Barcelona to actually look perhaps even better than they are, are at this point in, in time. They look amazing, but because the disorganization of Real Madrid were extraordinary. Honestly, something I haven't seen in football before. What I'm saying is, um, without Benzema, Ancelotti had to take a decision. What, who do we play there? Perhaps he thought of Gareth Bale, as he had done the previous time that Benzema was missing, which, which was against Villarreal. He played him there, had a couple of chances, played well, uh, and didn't have to touch much. He was just a number nine placed in there. Or Bale used as a number nine. But instead of that, he decides to actually have Modric, 36, I should remind you, as a false nine. Mm. Meaning that he will link up with the midfield sometimes, other times will appear between the, the centre-back and the full-back, uh, close to the defensive line and running behind and a lot of things and, and, and placing himself between the lines. A lot of things to do with the ball and without it as well. So he would be the guy running to Ter Stegen, the goalkeeper of Barcelona, or the centre-back of Barcelona, to try to get the ball of him. What a disastrous decision. Because what that meant, of course, is that the midfield had to follow on. If you had a player like Modric, who's not very dynamic, put in the first line of pressure, everybody should be close to him, to protect him. Instead, what happened was the midfield of Real Madrid, that included Valverde, uh, went very deep, and there were so many gaps and the pressure was so disorganized that it was dead easy for Barcelona to go through the lines of pressure. And uh, and then one chance came, and then another one, and then another one. Barcelona went 1-0, and the disaster was so obvious that the first strange decision took place. Minute 35, Ancelotti rings, uh, rings, calls Modric and says, look, we got this wrong. Modric, can you just go back to your place as a midfield next to Cross and Casemiro? the famous three, uh, we will send Valverde on the right, further up. We put Rodrigo, who's a right winger, as a centre forward. And when Modric was going back to half of trying to reorganise the side, Barcelona scores the second goal. And the game is gone. But the mistakes don't finish there. So at halftime, not happy with having changed twice the formation on Celotti, he decides to change it again. And makes two substitutions and puts three at the back. Three at the back that had not been, like the false line of Modric, trained at all. Yeah, they hadn't worked on this at all. Huge chance from Ferran Torres, misses out, misses. Another chance of Ferran Torres. We don't know what the defense is. Third goal. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What do we do? Change the formation again on Celotti the sides. And puts Alaba, who is one of the three centre-backs, on the left-hand side of the back four. Anyway, I've never seen anything like that. A formation from the third to the fourth type of formation changed within four minutes. Mm. Um, and it was just a disaster. Barcelona took advantage of it. A lot of gaps uh, were appeared. There was a lot of movement with the ball and without the ball. Quite clearly, there are things that they do with their eyes closed now. The move of... Um, Aubameyang dropping deep and allowing that space to be used by the midfielders, or Aubameyang running in behind and being found. A lot of things that are working, but I think Real Madrid made Barcelona look much better than they are. In any case, 
as you said at the beginning, and I gave you a very long answer, but uh, it was an extraordinary classical. No, it sounds extraordinary. So the goal scores again, for anyone who didn't see the game, Aubameyang on 29 minutes, Ronaldo Arahu on 38, Ferran Torres 47 and Aubameyang on 51 minutes. Because Jared Piquet tweeted after the game, we are back, which, which seemed a, a touch... Uh, premature, but you can understand the enthusiasm because, well, he has seen some dreadful days over the last couple of years, and for Xavi to return in November and for Barcelona to start producing like this must be uh, an incredible relief to Pique, who, who must have thought that his club was going down the toilet. So, Xavi uh, is the Xavi is the toast of Catalonia, I would think. Oh yeah, and uh, and that sense that uh, Piquet kind of reinforced. Uh, it's shared by the Catalan media, by the uh, social media, Football Club Barcelona as well. I mean, the Twitter is so enthusiastic. Um, football has got that ability to come back and bite you. So, but anyway, they feel that they are in top of the wave uh, of happiness, as you say, coming back from a very low place of uh, of lack of confidence. They didn't know how quickly this turnaround was going to take place. To be honest, it's gone much quicker than expected. Remember, the chairman, the new chairman Laporta, didn't want Xavi and admitted it so. Uh, and now, of course, he's, he's so glad that he's taking that decision. Mm. Piqué himself didn't know if he had a career at Barcelona because he seemed like he was at the end of, um, of, of, of his physical powers and, and influence. But of course, uh, with Messi going, he's become one of the one of the bigger leaders and backed up Xavi arriving and, and of course Xavi has uh, we all thought that it was going to be big decisions and in fact we were told by the club there would be big decisions meaning some of the big players but Busquets still there Alba still there Piquet still there and Xavi has kind of relieved his um, give, give them a, a new lease of life um, don't try to analyse uh, the context that I just put there like having been at Galatasaray and struggling means that if, if Barcelona have to face I don't know say one of the top three Premier League clubs, they will struggle big time mm. because the, 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 the midfield is not dynamic enough, it's not aggressive enough because if, if a team actually puts a lot of pressure to them in the way they build up, they struggle. Um, there are things that are still not, not right, of course, when my young has been scoring regularly, that is a really good return, he's got a lot of chances, he's been very effective. If that doesn't happen, the goals are not there, all the goals, all the players are not scoring at the same rate. So there are things that I can imagine that could go wrong, but right now don't try to tell them that because, mm. of course, they are they are living a moment of uh, happiness. I'm sure, I'm sure. And Guillaume, if you think about Barcelona's failings over the last number of years, then the 147 million euros spent on Dembele was held up as one of the uh, poster boy mistakes. It seems he's had a resurgence of late. So, what's been happening with Dembele? What's been happening is that he's got a coach that has given him confidence, has gone against the wish of the club. The club had gave him a, a, an ultimatum, either you sign a new contract or you leave. Uh, the threat as well was that he was going to be left on the stands. That would have been illegal and a really big trouble. Xavi thought, you know, you cannot leave talent on the... I don't want to be the manager that leaves t- this kind of talent on, on the stands. Uh, not playing for six months. So when I use him, and by the way, he's, he's our best player, and Dembele is there, Barcelona's best player, or close to it anyway. Yeah. So with that in mind, Xavi um, said, okay, I'm going to try to recover him. And in fact, uh, even though I, you know, he, he kind of worked with the club uh, with that threat, eventually when it became clear that he wasn't leaving, 
um, he thought, okay, well, I'm going to use it. And, and the village responding. Uh, he's also responding to the inputs from Abema Yang, who, of course, they were together for a while. Aborisio Doman in the best goal-scoring uh, period of Abema Yang, so he knows that how important the Mele can be for him. And, and well, it's, it's, it's all of a sudden, he doesn't get injured, he's happy, he smiles, he feels important. Mm. And his entourage is saying that it's not decided what he's going next. There is all these rumors that he signed things. In fact, Barcelona leaked to us. Oh, yeah, he's got something with somebody. Now they're saying, actually, it would be nice if he renewed. So it's up, it's up for scratch. And let's see if um, what he decides. I think he personally wanted to stay at Barcelona. Uh, his agents will like uh, a deal in which the commission is big enough to be convinced. And the Belay listens to his agents. So, yeah. But the club don't know what's going to happen. The club has said, to Dembélé and his agents, if you want to stay, you have to call us. And Dembélé and his agents, or his agents are saying, you know where we are. So it's that poker, poker kind of uh, uh, card yes. game that is right now. You mentioned Aubameyang. So I think when Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang left Arsenal for Barcelona, Arsenal fans weren't too upset. He had scored four goals in 14 matches and looked totally uninterested, not just in Arsenal, but potentially in football. And now he is pitched up at Barcelona and, as I mentioned, scored two goals last night, had an assist as well last night. That means he scored seven goals in 10 appearances in the league. He scored another two goals in four Europa Cup games, had a hat-trick against Valencia, for instance, as well, and has been reborn, age 32. And doesn't it happen to, to all of us? You know, there, there are periods in time where you, you do things without wanting because you get well paid and that's where you've always been and all of a sudden somebody says you know because uh, you always have been trying to go to Spain to Real Madrid actually but uh, that never happened and uh, and he speaks Spanish as you, as, as you all know um, given the opportunity to go to Barcelona a club that had been flirting with him for a while he thought yeah why not and then all of a sudden you feel you feel new energies appear in your mind and your legs uh, he hadn't really trained properly for two months and Barcelona knew that, but what they told him, what Xavi told him is, look, I just need a small job from you. I don't want you to be the over my of Arsenal, in which you had to do everything and you were the main star and you had to win all the games for the team. No, you don't need to do that. You all need, you need to replace yourself here on the edge of the box, next to the centre-back, between centre-back and full-back, make the runs in behind, sometimes drop deep. Um, and he understands the game, and that's a part of the game that he, he does happily as well. So... He's just, he's just uh, fallen into place um, perfectly. Mm. He's happy. Who wouldn't be in, in a place like, like this, in Barcelona, which yeah. is what I am. Um, and all that put together means that uh, he's given his first version. Yeah, amazing. So, look, there are certain stadiums in the world, Old Trafford, Anfield, the New Camp, Bernabeu, which are iconic. And then there are others like the Emirates and the Etihad, which have always been the Emirates and the Etihad. So <laughs> I presume nobody in your neck of the woods is happy that next year everybody's going to be talking about the Spotify new camp. 
Well, it's 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 the new world. I mean, we we keep asking the the world not to move on and uh, to stay where it always was. Where was it always? Where was it always? I mean, it's like it's been moving all the time. But uh, you know, there was that period of romantic period where stadiums didn't have a, a surname or, or what prefix or whatever you want to call it. But Barcelona need money. They're desperate for it. Uh, we already more or less described what's happened on the pitch. It's on the way up, off the pitch. Let me tell you. Um, they asked uh, Goldman Sachs, a fund, um, to actually give them 500, uh, 500 million euros loan. And then they said, um, we also need money for to rebuild the stadium. And they put it to the season ticket holders and they voted for another loan of 1.5 billion. So that, in my counts, is 2 billion, right? Um, the budget is about 750 million. So if you budget the 750 million, um, and you owe two billion. <laughs> I don't, just don't know how that's going to work. By the way, you owe more than that because the debt uh, that uh, Barcelona have is one point three billion. So that what's that? Two three. It's a lot of money, and they don't have that kind of money to come in and pay for that debt. Not in the short term, um, and not just by selling players or reducing the wage list. Uh, they they've got a very small limit in which they can move in, in terms of wage list. So they are selling themselves, obviously. They're selling the naming rights and, uh, and you know, they think they're going to get, well, they are getting a good deal, which, by the way, is the same deal that they had already with different companies. They added the naming rights on top of it. So it's like naming rights was free, but because more or less it's the same money they already were earning from the shared of the women's team, the men's team, the training kit. Uh, but... It's it's post-pandemic, so you have to say it's, it's positive. Mm. But look deeper. They actually are selling what they call the uh, Barcelona Studios, which they create content by another 250 million. Um, so if you've got a, a fund that owes, you know, that, that you owe, what is it, 2 billion, and you keep selling parts of your club, who owns the club these days? And, uh, and that's an answer that nobody wants to give. Mm. One last one to throw at you, Guillaume. Manchester United, it seems, have a shortlist and Luis Enrique is on that shortlist. What chance of Luis Enrique walking out on Spain ahead of the World Cup were Manchester United to come calling in the summer? Zero. <laughs> well, that answers that. Yeah, I can give you more. Uh, he's got contract until December. He's got no intention of leaving Spain. Uh, he is creating something special that we saw in the European Championships. He wants to take the team to the national side. He wants to sit with the president of the federation and see if they renew the contract or not. He's not one. He wants to go to the Premier League. Don't get me wrong. And he wants to go to one of those big clubs. He's been offered smaller clubs, say, and he said no to them before. Um, but right now is, is the wrong choice. I, I, I'm convinced uh, that Lopetegui and Luis Enrique have been thrown into, into that show list of six. Um, I think Conte is there, and I think, uh, uh, who am I forgetting? Conte is there, uh, and Brenda Rogers is there as well. So there's six, not four. Uh, but I think four of them are there just to distract the attention. For me, it's Ten Hag and Pochettino. Mm. Those are the favourites and the ones that, you know, the process has started. Um, it's true that Ranić is not involved in it. Uh, I think everybody who is involved knows that they are in that shortlist, uh, which means that conversations are taking place of some kind. 
and the decision has to be taken now. But I think they're all asking the same thing. What's the structure? Um, I, I'm coming in, but what, what does the whole thing looks like? Uh, and they need to answer that properly because these are managers that want to go into a club in which they don't want to be the, the, the solver of all the problems, but part of the solution, uh, a solution that has to be found at the club and has to do with the structure as well. Yeah. The answer to that question is simple. It's a mess. It's carnage. That's the structure. <laughs> Absolute carnage. No one knows what they're doing. Uh, look, it looks like that at the moment. Uh, it's a good choice. I mean, it's a good, it's a good selection. I'm not sure what Brendan, Yulen, Luis Enrique, Pochettino, and then had have to do with each other. But, you know, that's a different discussion. Yeah, that would imply some kind of strategy. Uh, listen, great to have you on. Thank you so much, Guillaume Balaga. I appreciate it. Thank you. Guillaume Balga there on Barcelona's 4-0 win at the Bernabeu last night. And our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.